Consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. at night, approximately 4,200 people live through their own Poseidon adventure. A world turned upside down. A luxury cruise liner strikes a massive rock. Semi-submerged, looking like a big beached whale. Removing it is the biggest salvage operation the world has ever seen. Cruise liner Costa Concordia ran aground off the Tuscan coast, killing 32 people. Crews are searching for survivors from that cruise ship that ran aground and foundered on Friday night. One year since the Costa Concordia cruise liner capsized off the coast of Italy. Remembering Costa Concordia, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. Check out our cruise news at cruiseradio.net. An important show this week, as this past Sunday marks the one-year anniversary of the Costa Concordia disaster. We're honored to have two of the passengers from the ship, Benji Smith and Emily Lau. Dan Askin, senior editor at CruiseCritic.com. He'll be with us giving us his take also from a consumer standpoint. Vicki Garcia, the COO of Cruise Planners and American Express Travel, will give her view. But first, Director of Public Affairs for CLIA, and for those who don't know, that's the Cruise Lines International Association, Mike McGarry. Welcome to Cruise Radio, Mike. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Mike, since the Concordia disaster a year ago, the Cruise Industry Operational Safety Review has been formed. Tell us, what is it and who's on the panel? First of all, you know, let me just say that the Cruise Industry Operational Safety Review, which was a global effort that came about immediately following the Concordia, was really, it's really a continuation of the industry's continuous efforts to look at best practices and safety in other operational areas. But it came about immediately following the Concordia as the industry's response to look at the critical human factors involved in uh, the operational aspects of a cruise ship to see are there is there anything there, anything else we can be doing to try to make operations safer than they already are. And, and this is an exceptionally uh, safe industry. Uh, the Concordia, as tragic as it was, and our thoughts and prayers continue to be, with uh, the victims and their families, um, it was really a very extraordinary event, and the industry has had, a, you know, has an exceptional safety record. And so, with the operational safety review, there was a task force that was developed of uh, CLIA member cruise lines who decided to look at best practices throughout various cruise lines to determine what best practices have been in place that we can have adopted as industry policies that everybody is going to follow. And the the task force was supplemented by an independent panel of experts that included uh, experts like um, Mark Rosenker, former chairman of the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board, Stephen Meyer, former rear admiral in the Royal Navy and head of the U.K.'s Marine Accident Investigation Branch, Dr. Jack Spencer, former director, Office of Maritime of Marine Safety, rather, United States National Transportation Safety Board, and finally, Willem de Reuter, former head and executive director of the European Maritime Safety Agency. Uh, so it was evenly divided between uh, expert safety experts uh, in the U.S. and in Europe who provided ideas and input, and the the result of the operational safety review were 10 wide-ranging policies uh, that go beyond existing international regulations. 
The names you mentioned, those are the only members on the panel? Those are the four members of the independent panel of experts. On the task force itself, there were more people. What changes have taken place because of the Operational Safety Review Board? The very first one was a change in a uh, passenger muster policy. Uh, where the industry is regulated by the International Maritime Organization, which is based in London and is a United Nations agency. And the industry also follows safety of life at sea regulations, SOLAS. And under SOLAS, as it's it's known, um, cruise ships were required to conduct a muster drill, which is basically a drill where the passengers come together and they're shown where they get life jackets, where they go, on the ship to gather in specific groups um, if if an emergency is called. Cruise ships were, under SOLAS, required to conduct a muster drill or a safety drill with passengers within 24 hours after departure. Well, a number of CLIA members were actually doing those muster drills before a ship would leave port. And so the industry decided that should be an industry standard. It should be an industry policy. Yeah. And so they adopted that one. And and then they put that forward to the IMO to be considered as a standard maritime regulation. Mike, we know there were 10 safety policies brought forth in total. Touch on a couple of other ones. There was a a passage planning policy that was put in place so that the passage for a cruise ship is, there are regulations for developing that and following that. And any deviation from that passage plan, it needs, there are certain procedures that would have to um, check and balance systems that would have to be uh, be done before there would be any deviation from that plan. There was an excess life jackets policy, which is probably self-explanatory to make sure that you've got actually more life jackets on board than you wrote than you do passengers. Uh, and there was also a policy regarding the uh, access to the bridge, that only uh, approved personnel would have access to the bridge, particularly in times of, of, a, of a crisis. Was there anything about lifeboats, Mike? Yes, there was a policy. There was a lifeboat loading for training uh, purposes policy that basically it was done to facilitate training for lifeboat operations. And the policy requires that at least one lifeboat on each ship is to be filled with crew members equal in number to its certified number of occupants at least every six months, and that, uh, and that they were to do that drill for training purposes. You mentioned this earlier, Mike, and we talk about this a lot on cruise radio, how safe cruise ships actually are, but lots of programs, TV shows, articles, etc., you know, have covered cruise ship safety since the sinking. What do you say to a potential cruise ship passenger who's fearful of cruising? What I would say to them is that, you know, cruise ships are extremely safe, and the industry is heavily regulated at multiple levels. All cruise ships must be designed and operate in compliance with the strict requirements of international law, as defined by the International Maritime Organization, the UN agency responsible for safety and security of shipping. Additionally, cruise ships are subject to multiple layers of enforcement at the at not only the international, but the flag state and the port state level. You know, the Concordia was an extraordinary event. Um, and the industry had not seen an event like that in almost in a century. Cruising is one of the safest forms of le- uh, leisure travel that we have today. There's, there, there's absolutely no question about it. And, and safety, the other thing I would tell someone is safety is the industry's number one priority, bar none. There is no other, uh, there is no other area that is more important because without safety, there is no cruise industry. Right. Very well. Senior Vice President of Public Affairs for CLIA, Mike McGarry, thank you so much for the info. We really appreciate you being on Cruise Radio. Thank you for having me. 
Now, I got to say, since the disaster, I honestly can say that I have not really heard a lot of people who are, are turned off of cruising, really. Yeah, I've only heard of one person. A girl here at the radio station was going to book a cruise the Monday after Costa Concordia sank, and she wound up not booking. Um, that's the only person I've ever heard of. To speak on consumer trends post Costa Concordia, COO of Cruise Planners American Express Travel, Vicki Garcia, joins us. Welcome back to Cruise Radio, Vicki. Thank you so much, Matt. When it happened, did you see an impact on bookings? Uh, when it first happened, we really didn't see any kind of impact at all. And probably about three weeks, four weeks after that, we started to see a little bit of a of a blip, if you will. Um, seems that it affected some first-time cruisers from potentially taking that jump into cruising because we were having a, a banner December and January leading up to it. Yeah. Um, so we got a little bit of a slowdown shortly after that. But um, but nothing nothing too far like a drastic thing like God forbid when nine eleven happened years ago. Vicky, how long did that lull in bookings last? I think it kind of slowed down a little bit, probably through maybe June, but nothing substantial. I think the only reason we actually even noticed it was because it was so strong leading up to it uh, when you're looking at December and January. So mm. um, so it had an effect. I think it mainly had an effect on first time cruisers, those existing um, cruisers. People like probably you and I who just love it and, and and our clients, they, if anything, were almost a little bit bullish and wanted to go cruise to help the industry. I'm, I'm kind of curious now with um, it being the one-year anniversary and some TV specials and documentaries running on certain networks, if that might you know remind certain people who are thinking about cruising and might uh, scare them away. What would you say to people who are hesitant to cruise? You know, I think when you look at the, the safety records of cruising, it speaks for itself. I think it's isolated incidents. You know, people for the most part um, saw that, that it's not something that just happens every day. Gosh, I think it's a little more dangerous when I went across the street today to go to the bank, across from my office, right. than it is to go on a cruise. And I've cruised over 70 times myself and never even been in an emergency evacuation or loss of power or anything weird like that. So the likelihood of that happening, I think people are you know, have common sense and, and realize that. So I don't think it's a big deal. She is the Chief Operating Officer for Cruise Planners American Express Travel. Vicki Garcia, thank you for all the info. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Cruise Radio News. Now trending at cruiseradio.net. Happy to have with us Dan Askin, Senior Editor at CruiseCritic.com. Dan, I should say welcome back to Cruise Radio. You're no stranger. Thanks. Yeah, I did. I talked about a uh, sushi venue on Carnival Breeze. That was my, my first foray. <laughs> that was good stuff. Good times. You know, we just spoke with Mike McGeary with Clea about the panel of experts that formed the Global Cruise Industry Operational Safety Review. In your opinion, how important were these changes to the cruise industry and what safety policy changes really stick out to you? Well, you know, obviously they had to come out very boldly uh, and make a strong statement right away. And so they, they did it pretty systematically. And um, they started off with, as everybody knows, who's been following this, the, uh, the muster drill, um, which before was prescribed by uh, this SOLAS regulations. Uh, safety at Life at Sea, uh, you have to perform this muster drill, this safety safety boat and lifeboat drill uh, t- within 24 hours of, of passengers boarding. So obviously on Concordia, you had some passengers who got on the ship in Savitavecchia. There were multiple embarkation points, and they hadn't had that briefing. And so now, relatively low-hanging fruit, but every line that within the CLIA umbrella now said, okay, we're going to have the muster drill before we sail. 
so everybody will know how to put on a life jacket, which is part of the drill, uh, where their safety station is in the case of emergency, et cetera. So, I mean, that, that was the first kind of thing. It was, it was easy. It was a low-hanging fruit because most lines already did that. Because if you think about it, most uh, cruise ships are sailing round ship trip from a single port. Um, there, are, there are exceptions like Concordia, which was kind of operating on a ferry schedule. Um, where you had three home ports, in essence, where people could get on and start their cruises. Um, and so they were still following guidelines as prescribed by CLIA because they were picking up people the next day in, in the next uh, embarkation port, and they were going to have the briefing for both of those sets. Right. Um, so that, that was the first change. And then, you know, every couple months we're seeing additional changes. On the night of the anniversary on, on Discovery Channel, they had a, a, a really good documentary and um, just just harrowing accounts from the passengers. You know, I didn't know all the details until I saw that. You know, as far as passengers when they were faced with, in the end, they're having to jump off the ship and swim a hundred yards to shore and stuff right. like that. But uh, In cold water, yeah, yeah, fifty nine degree water, just crazy, crazy. But um, as you mentioned, the other captain uh, waited at like an hour before the abandoned ship. I mean. I mean, there was a, there was a, big, a lot of time delays, um, yeah. and I was curious if you knew anything regarding the trial uh, for, on the captain and the other crew members. So right now, uh, the prosecution has asked for indictments uh, from the judge, but it's 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 on the judge right now um, in terms of deciding whether or not there's enough evidence and enough to go on to have the trial. But I think the expectations are that that yes, that's going to move forward, but we're expecting to hear a response from the judge in the next couple of weeks where that stands. So that's kind of where we're at. We had the pre-trial hearing, yeah. and it's sort of in the next two weeks we're going to get some sort of uh, concrete answer. But we have nine people who could be indicted for actions. The uninjured passengers of Costa Concordia received $14,500 in compensation. From what you're hearing and seeing, do most people think that's fair? My experience, what we have, we actually had a, a reader who was on the cruise who um, she wrote kind of an essay about what she's been struggling with in the last uh, year. Her, her uh, moniker on Cruise Critic is Mickey D. Mouse, and she told us about firsthand experience during the, the event, and now for the last year it's been obviously emotionally incredibly difficult for a lot of these people, her as well. And she did talk about um, how... There was some um, negotiation that was higher than that initial uh, that initial offer from Costa. Right. Um, there are Costa's put out some numbers in terms of I don't have those those offhand, um, but it's um, the majority of people have settled with the line. We're not really privy to details. Um, she did say it was incredibly difficult, just the communication. They were passing her around, and it was a, obviously incredibly stressful. And she she did not uh, personally join in a uh, a lawsuit, or um, a lot of the people were trying to bring suit um, in the United States. That that, that was my next question. How many lawsuits were there? Because I mean, if someone if they had offered fourteen thousand five hundred after what 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 I saw in the documentary of what they went through, I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. And there would I would imagine everyone's got a lawsuit. According to Costa, of the three thousand fifty five passengers who survived and were not physically injured, yeah. Um, so you have uh, just over thirty two hundred passengers, just over a thousand crew, and um, thirty two perished, and one hundred and fifty nine were hospitalized, um, according to the 
numbers that, I, that I've seen. Yeah. And so of the 3,055 passengers who survived and weren't injured, 70% accepted Costa's offered compensation or alternative proposal. So I don't, I don't, not sure, I haven't seen reported, you know, what percentage of that 3,055 renegotiated something higher and what percentage took what you just mentioned, that, that initial offer. So we've heard by now that this is one of the largest salvaging efforts in maritime history, and it's never really been done before. Now, certainly that accounts for the delays, but is there anything else causing delays? To my understanding, it's, it's the scope of the project that's yeah. really responsible for the delay. Uh, you know, you can, you can put together plans that are immaculate, and you're going to obviously have to adapt. Um, and I know that the, the price... Uh, the wreck removal has ballooned uh, last reports to uh, about $400 million. Mm-hmm. Um, That's up, I think, over uh, about 30% uh, higher than the initial uh, estimate. And then they're also saying that, you know, they're trying to hedge further, uh, Titan and Micropierre, by saying that sea conditions are going to be probably become more difficult in the yeah. next few months. It's kind yeah. of a rough sort of pre-tourism season. It, it gets kind of choppy in that area, and it could further impact. This is really slow going, especially, you know, for these, these divers, they can't be underwater that long. Right. And it is a 20, they're working 24 hours around the clock. They've built this massive, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, they're oh, really yeah. incredible, this huge platform they've built next to it. Yeah, incredible. I mean, the fact that they've never done anything like that before, and it is the largest effort in history, <laughs> you're going to expect a little bit of delay there. Thanks for all the info. Dan Askins, senior editor at CruiseCritic.com. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you, man. There you too. This is Cruise Radio. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. It's not just a good idea to have travel insurance during the winter months or hurricane season. Every travel agent or travel expert we talk to says it is a very smart idea to always travel with travel insurance. That's why you should check the folks out at TripInsurance.com. They have exclusive products from the leading travel insurers that you won't find anywhere else. Yeah, they are the low-cost leader in travel insurance with savings up to 40% or more when you compare similar coverage from other sources. What plan do you want to go with? Good, better, or better? They have coverage in all three categories that make it easy to find the right insurance plan for your budget. You know what defines great customer service? Actually being able to talk to a human being. And they do that at TripInsurance.com. They are committed to great customer service with 24-7 telephone support before, during, and after your trip. You can also file claims online right on their website. And they keep you posted of any travel alerts that could affect your travels or safety at your destination. Check them out right now. TripInsurance.com. Stream us worldwide on our free iPhone app. Just search Cruise Radio Live in your app store. We have saved the very best for last, and we are honored to have our next guests who were honeymooning one year ago on the Costa Concordia, Benji Smith 
and Emily Lau from Boston. Welcome to Cruise Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I can't even imagine, you know, the horror of living through that event, but then to be approached by television stations and radio stations and to have to relive it in the retelling, I know that's got to be really, really hard on y'all. Or it could be therapeutic. I don't know. I guess when we got home from the the disaster, we were really quite disturbed. We were really, you know, our brains very fried. Uh, we had been through a really traumatic experience and needed some way to learn to cope with it. And we, we found a really excellent PTSD therapist in the Boston area who we worked with for about four months to help us overcome the, the painful, traumatic elements of the story to the point where we could talk about it. And uh, that really launched us into the process of, of writing this book and of, of Emily composing this music because we wanted to take this experience and turn it into something meaningful that we could share with people. And so uh, not only to tell them the, the, the details of the sinking ship and how we got off of it, but also to give people some semblance of hope for how they can cope with tragedy in their own lives. And so from that healing process, you write the book entitled Abandoned Ship, An Intimate Account of the Costa Concordia Shipwreck. Tell us more about the book. There are actually a lot of parts of the story that weren't covered widely in the traditional press when the catastrophe first happened, and we wanted to pay particular attention to those elements of the story, um, one of which being uh, immediately after the shipwreck, when, when we first got back to dry land, we called the United States Embassy to ask for help, and uh, I, I called and said, there are 120 Americans who have been on this uh, ship, and uh, none of us have any uh, we've, we've all lost our passports, and our wallets, our money. We don't have a place to stay. We don't have food to eat. We don't have clothes to wear. We haven't been to a doctor. We haven't been to a psychiatrist. Can you help us with some of these basic necessities? And the United States Embassy said, if you come to us before 5 o'clock, we will print you a new passport. But they were unable to provide any of that additional help. Uh, and so we had, to, we had to turn to other individuals, um, just, you know, the kindness of strangers, basically. Huh. And then when we came home and there was a congressional hearing on cruise ship safety, uh, uh, Emily called the congressman and offered to testify in that hearing because our experience in particular was so dramatic uh, that uh, we were surprised when they said, no, thank you. We've had, uh, we have all of the witnesses that we need. So these, these parts of the story, the failure of these institutions, as well as uh, the Italian police, uh, Costa Cruises, these parts of the story were never told, and we really wanted to bring those forward and bring light to them. Um, so that's, that's part of the reason why we wrote this book um, and, and produced this music. Take us back to that night, if you will, from both Emily, your perspective, and you, Benji. But what stands out to you all the most from that night? What I remember most is there was a moment where we were up on the fourth deck waiting for a rescue boat, and everyone was pushing and screaming and being really scared. And um, I was at the very end of the line, so I looked at Benji and I said, Hey, Benji, I don't want to push. Is that okay with you? And he said, Yeah, that's okay with me. And so we were both at the very end of the line not pushing, and I told him that we might die. And is that okay with you? And he said, yes. 
So we were just both waiting and holding hands, and, and at that moment, I knew that I married my room, um, my soulmate. Wow. So after that, we we got onto that lifeboat, but the lifeboat wasn't able to deploy because the ship was lifting so severely by that point right. that the lifeboat was just banging against the ship, and they had to hoist it back up to where we started, and we all got back off the lifeboat and onto the cruise ship again. So at this point, about 90% of the passengers have escaped on lifeboats, but we've been left behind. So we had to fend for ourselves, and we scrambled around looking for some place to go. Eventually, we found a rope and uh, tied that rope to a railing. Um, the, we realized that the floor we were standing on was turning into a wall, and that if we didn't move, we, wow. could, be, we, could, we could be trapped in the kind of a canyon created on the side of the ship there. So we tied this rope and rappelled from the fourth deck down to the third, which also had an open deck, and then uh, tied the rope again and rappelled from the third deck down the whole of the ship. Good and Lord. We held on to that rope for three hours waiting for rescue. But being able to see you know, my, my, my new bride here with me, um, grabbing onto a rope, climbing over the railing, and, and being willing to uh, take such decisive action. It was, you know, I was so proud of yeah. her and so proud of you know, us as a family. It brought us so close together, yeah, despite the fact that you know, we, had to, we had to basically say goodbye to each other. Um, we were afraid that we might die. But uh, um, certainly having survived that experience brought us much closer together. Talk about a test yeah. know, for the rest of your marriage. I mean, if y'all, y'all can make it through that, holy cow. It, it was, was just, so scary. It yeah. was really scary to be there. Like, I, I remember thinking, if, if this thing dropped, we will all die. And nobody seemed to know what they were doing. The crew was clueless, and there were no drill. So at that point, I just knew we, we are really not in, in good hands. Benji, you mentioned how that experience has brought y'all closer together and made you both stronger. In what other ways? Are y'all different now? It gives us the courage not only to encounter other sorts of uh, difficulties in our life, but it also gives us the courage to stand up and say, this is important. The cruise company failed us. The U.S. Embassy failed us. The Italian police failed us. The U.S. Congress failed us. And while the majority of our story, we try to tell a hopeful, uplifting message, um, but we also want to point out those people who are responsible and to call them out on their actions. Knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently during the trip and the ship sinking? To be very honest, there yeah. was nothing that we could have done that could have changed the outcome. We were really good rule followers. We would have followed the rules and evacuated accordingly if we were instructed to do so. But unfortunately, there were no rules and there were no instructions, so we were forced to have to improvise. And that, that really was just a very sad occasion. What advice do you all have for anyone traveling internationally? Have a, I would say make sure to have a copy of your passport. Make sure when you travel abroad to uh, have, a, have someone back at home who can run logistics for you if you have a disaster. The, the biggest lessons aren't the ones in like how to, how to plan your trip or how to prepare for disaster, but how to stay calm in the face of disaster, perhaps. If he was sitting right in front of you, what would you want to say to the, I should say, ex-captain now? What I would say to the captain is, I forgive you. That's huge. 
That's uh, yeah. that takes a lot. That's uh, yeah, that's hard to do, and I commend you for that for sure. Will y'all ever cruise again? It's possible. Uh, I think there there are certain places that are best seen, or possibly only able to be seen by cruise ship. You know, if we ever wanted to go see the Galapagos Islands, the only way to do that is on a cruise ship. Uh, the coast of Alaska, I've heard, is really nice uh, cruising. I don't know if we would take this kind of really gigantic cruise again, but uh, uh, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. That's that's another part of recovering from a disaster is that you realize this is just an accident. All cruise ships don't sink, and uh, and uh, and cruising can be fun. The book "Abandoned Ship." An Intimate Account of the Costa Concordia Shipwreck by Benji Smith and the CD Isle of Lucidity by Emily Lau. Thank you all so much for taking the time to to share the experience with us. I know it's really difficult uh, to do. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Find out more about the book and the CD at cruiseradio.net. We leave you with a selection from Emily Lau's CD, the track entitled Ayudame, available on iTunes. Cruise Radio remembers those lives lost in the sinking of Costa Concordia, January 13th, 2012. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.